All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another riveting episode of the Board Game Triangle, uh, your local podcast where three friends, that's us, talk about board games. Um, We're friends? I Okay, I definitely like just subconsciously stole that intro from something. I don't know where it's from. <laughs> but, don't but sue it's, us! Whoever we stole that from, please don't sue us. We have no yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. We, have, we have no money to sue with. Oh, it's from Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, which is a fantastic podcast. They go, like the beginning of their episode, they're like, Two Dudes, that's us, <laughs> watch cartoons. It, it's fine. You know what? We're stealing the audio intro to It's Always Sunny. Um, you know, we're stealing some intros. Uh, pretty soon, all of our content will be stolen. It'll be great. I, I did have to uh, let some of my friends know that, yes, we, we were okay with that because uh, it is, in fact, uh, free, freely available uh, uh, music rights. Uh, that's mm-hmm. why Always Sunny used it, was that, because they didn't have to pay for the rights to them. So that's right. That's uh, anybody right. out there who's wanting to report us to get, to get sued, uh, that one's not going to work either. Nope, exactly. You got to find the right content to sue us for, okay? But we're we're <laughs> wide open, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm Tim, guys. Hello, I'm sure you know who I am at this point, probably. And maybe. Uh, this is this is Ken, also uh, probably well known. If you started your first episode as our episode twelve, uh, that was uh, an interesting choice. But uh, I do know some people who started on episode eleven. No, sometimes you just go to the yeah. Sometimes you just go to the most recent one. That's like. The best way to get a vibe okay. check. Some people do that. That's that's, fair. that's totally that's fair. what I do. And then if I like that episode, I go back to the beginning. Yeah. I'm very experienced at this. Our podcast definitely doesn't really build on itself. Uh, we might reference some things we said in prior nah, podcasts. Nah, we have no inside jokes. We're not funny. <laughs> oh, wait. Was this was this supposed to be a, a funny podcast? No, we maybe no. Maybe should have figured that what? out 10 episodes ago. I'm not really sure what people signed up for, to be honest. <laughs> like, you know, we advertise as being, you know... A lot of discussions and things like that. I don't know if they're like expecting some epic heated debates, real casual shit. I don't know what people expect. Uh, okay, so our warm up question that we'll get to in a minute might get into a heated debate. I don't know. Anyways, mm-hmm. our topic today is we're talking about durations of games. Like what, you know, what does that mean? How long is too long? How short is too short? What's a campaign game? That kind of stuff. So, Hang around. We'll we'll get through some introduction stuff. We'll have a warm up question. And we'll jump into that topic. Um, so what's been going on with you guys? Look at us telling people what to expect. Oh my gosh, it's like Clara always <laughs> does this. We're the ones that are unprepared, Ken, and you know it's it. It's the uh, it's the preceptor in me. I like people giving presentations to have like an outline beforehand. You know. What are we gonna learn today, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing about migraine medications. Okay, that what... sounds good. I'm writing a manuscript. That sounds like that would induce that would induce some migraines, and you might actually need to then know about the medications. It's a self fulfilling yeah. prophecy. I'm writing a manuscript about it right now, and I just can't get away from it. <laughs> That's all right. I just finished talking about rebase hell, which also probably requires some migraine medication. So, oh my gosh, we they talked about rebase whatever for the longest time, and I have no <laughs> idea what this is before we started recording. Yeah, and then and then we shifted from talking about rebase that Sarah knows nothing about to talking about uh, ballroom dancing and Latin dancing and socials and all that that uh, Sarah was uh, also seemed equally understood in hearing about. So I mean, so the, the interesting point that I wanted to bring up with all of this is mm-hmm. there's a really fascinating overlap of interests with, with that. You know, Ken, Ken and I, and we also invited another uh, friend who we know from our dance class that we do 
Uh, she also really enjoys board games and also enjoys dancing. She's also an engineer. You got you have a lot of engineers who were into like a huge overlap of hobbies. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. Is that just our group? Or is it? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. So I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, the person that uh, started coming to my uh, my bachata classes the last three, four weeks, uh, also super into board games. Uh, and you know, I'll be doing some board games, and uh, she's you know, with people who's into uh, uh, RPGs, I'll be doing for with you know, Dungeons and Dragons and things. Um, one of the people who was also uh, interested in doing board games with me from uh, a thing I met recently uh, has been expressing interest in. Start doing some uh, some some dancing as well, so I don't think he's been into it yet. But you know, so I don't know. There does seem to be a lot of uh, a lot of potential overlap there. I hadn't I, I, I hadn't thought about maybe, that, yeah, but it does seem to be. It's got to be like, you know, a certain mind has certain proclivities to certain subsets of things, and it seems like that there is a reasonable overlap there with maybe problem solving. Because dancing, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really know a lot about dancing, but there is a lot of problem solving involved in that, and. Yeah, I just think that it the, the overlaps kind of make sense if you think about it. It's just I wouldn't have drawn the correlation until it just kept happening over and yep. over again. You I don't know, know what? I thought it's, it was interesting. It's social interaction, but with standard like rules mm-hmm. and expectations. Like Which maybe think, that's I some think, of it. Yeah, because I definitely think for for more of that that engineering, you know, techie, less maybe socially gregarious kind of uh, mindset. It, it having having a rule set in which you. And engage socially and interact with people could be a, a, a real thing. That, yeah, um, that's a really good, really good point, Sarah. I yeah. mean, I'm uh, just thinking like if I like go out with friends to a bar and we don't really have an aim or a goal and we're just like being social. Oh, I don't know. That gives me anxiety. But if I'm going, and I know we're going we're gonna, to like play a game, then I know what's expected. So we're good. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, anxiety-inducing, we had our TI game uh, this weekend. I think it went pretty well. It was yeah. very, very interesting. I ended up the victor this time around. You let's did. go, let's go, let's go. Nalu Collective hype. <laughs> and the most important thing, we were able to finish a game in one session. We didn't even mm. take a break. It was just one yeah. long-ass game of TI. For people who aren't aware... Twilight Imperium is a is a game that goes very long. So our, our game was supposed to start around noon. I don't think we really got started until around three. two or so. Yeah, I think it was almost and three o'clock. Most three, and uh, we finished at like what, like two a.m. So uh, when we're when we're celebrating the fact that we did this all in one session, uh, typically our group will end up doing it, you know, a session on Saturday and a session on Sunday. Uh, this week, uh, multiple people, myself included, uh, had conflicting plans on Sunday, so we just played through and knocked it out. Did I fall asleep on the table? Yes, I did. <laughs> Just once. Are you technically asleep? I don't know. You know. I think it actually bleeds really nicely into our discussion about game length. Because one of the challenges... One, there's a few different things that I tried to do this time around to shorten the game length. And obviously some of these things are not going to apply to every board game. But for example, with TI, everybody's picking like their faction that they're going to play and then there's also the map that you would normally build out together which Mm -hmm. adds quite a bit of time so to try to circumvent that i try to do a draft ahead of time to you know maybe shave off an hour of time here and there and also give people time to think because sometimes it's really hard to decide like out of these 25 factions who am i going to play like and you're you know you're under the gun of everyone else already knows who they want to play and 
I was hoping to alleviate something like that. So these are maybe some of these things where if you guys know a game well enough, you can maybe try to plan some of that stuff out ahead of time. Um, but also one thing I did is a turn tracker where there's a timer associated with your turn and didn't put super hard limits on time, but it made it to where you were aware of how much time your turns were taking and people were kind of turning it into an interesting game within the game of, hmm. can I make my turns shorter than anybody else's? And oh, everybody yeah. was racing to see who could have the shortest time by the end of the game, which I think is a, I, I was not expecting that. And I thought it was actually a little cool, like mini game going on where it kept the game moving. It really did. Like that was the fastest moving game of TI that I'd say we had. Now, obviously, Contributing to that was everyone actually knew how to play, but we still had to give a little few refresher points here and there to uh, some a uh, couple of the players who it had been a while since they played. Mm -hmm. But overall, it really kept the game moving, and I think I am going to do that going forward with games that I feel I can easily drag on. Actually, I'm really yeah. upset that I can't remember who won overall I think shortest. You did. I think you had the I shortest. Thought, I... Okay, I'm that's sure. what I was thinking. No. I didn't win the game, but I won shortest turns. Yeah. I think overall it also told me, you know, a game can reasonably take, I, I should from now on expect it'll take nine to ten hours, but it can be done within a day for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If, if everyone is well fed mm -hmm. and... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> also, we were there. We were there a lot longer than we were originally going to be. So, like, people were kind of a little bit more tired. Like, if we had actually start, let's say we actually had started at twelve o'clock where we yep. had planned, I think that we probably would have finished even sooner because people wouldn't have been as tired and we would have been like more amped up to go. Like, I, I think those things also contributed to it. So, but, yeah, but, but yeah, it was a really good start time. At noon. That was going to mean that somebody is going to have to not. Ha have it take, go to a yoga class from uh, 10.45 to 11.45 and then assume that he can teleport to your house. I don't know that would be, that's a like good that. baseline. I think that's a good baseline to assume that we have not invented teleportation uh, between, you know, the day before we said what day we're, what time we were going to meet and then the next day. So that's, that's a fair assumption. All right. All right. So let's talk about this warm up question because it's related to the TI game. I'm not going to lie. I stole this question directly from the board game subreddit, but it's relevant. So our warm-up question today is... Hey, a good question's a good question. Yep. What are your thoughts on king-making? This is when you're playing a game and it's very clear that some players are not going to win and it's a competition between other players at the table and the people that aren't going to win kind of try to support or not support certain people to king-make to make someone win the game. So I will say, just right out of the box on this, that one of the things that makes me most want to not play games with people is like playing games with a couple where one of them just always tries to help the other win. So you know, if it, typically this will happen with a you know with a girlfriend or wife, generally girlfriend more so than wife, that will just like, oh, uh, you know, I just want to help my boyfriend win. Wives are out for blood. We're trying to beat our. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I have played with couples where this is a thing that it will happen and it does make it very frustrating to play with the, you know, with people who fit that criteria because, you know, one of the players, basically you do have two players out there collecting resources or collecting cards or whatever for one player to be able to win. And that, that does make the game uh, for myself, much less pleasant. People start out the bait, start off the, the gate, be in the game not really playing for their own their own win conditions. But, but, but Ken, Ken, what if it's far more innocent? 
You know, what if it's poor Sarah who at 1 a.m. is just like, I just want to go home. No, no, no. And I want want someone to win. It was 2.30 and my husband had already called because he was like, are you in a ditch somewhere? (laughs) Like, are you dead? And... Yep. At that point, Sarah was like, okay... Who can who can I, I help to win this round so we do not play another round? Right, How do we right. win this game now? Right. <laughs> but I did have an action card that could have potentially fucked up Tim's move, and I didn't hold on to it. I used it, even Good. though I really right. wanted to get him to the I, end. And I'm finish. glad you didn't because, like, it wouldn't have felt like a victory if it just... Like, I know you've got a fistful of action cards that can do at least something that at least, like, will make it a little harder at the, at the minimum, and I would know that. If it just like, oh, I can just do whatever I want to win the game. Like I would, it would not feel like a satisfying victory if, if I just got to waltz in and do whatever, unless it was really, you just didn't have cards to, you know, stop right. me obviously. But well, again, the, the king making thing, like you, you would not have felt good about the game had you been king made by somebody who, who helped you to win the game. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, uh, I would have had a much better chance of winning the game. Um, had someone not played a card that locked us into our, our existing, uh, our, our existing uh, strategy cards for the final round. Um, there's one card in the game that can do that. Uh, I've almost never seen it played. I actually had a deal with the person that had it uh, to not steal the, uh, the the strategy card that I wanted from me, and uh, he was planning to follow through on that. So he actually, you know, pretty much outright asked, like, would would this be a loophole or would this be reneging on my deal if I played this? <laughs> and uh, I, I did agree that you know the. The deal was you weren't going to steal the card I wanted. The deal was not that you weren't going to play a card that meant that nobody picked new strategy cards. Um, so that, again, would have been a case where he could have chosen not to play that card, and that would have you know, probably king-made me at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and also, I would not have wanted to do that. It was and it, brilliant. And it, led to, it led to one of the spiciest rounds ever. It was like, it was brutal. It was so... It, this was so much plastic crashing the oh, whole great. game. It was the oh. it was the best choice ever. Like I wouldn't have cared if I won that game or not. There was so much fighting in that last round. It was yep. the bloodiest game of TI I've ever played. Oh, and, and my like my my move that round that that lost me the game was not just immediately attacking Tim straight out the gate of that round because had I done so, I probably would have been able to block his access to things that let him win the game. At the time, I thought I still had other options to winning it, and that was I mean. It really did come down to that that level of, of, of closeness between you know one card that was played by uh, Jackson, one card that was uh, that was uh, played by Sarah, uh, one you know one round ra- a one round move of me deciding to go for my points before I just tried to stop Tim, uh, you know all of those could have could have swung the game in a different directions. So I, I definitely would say this was one of my one of my all time best gaming experiences. It was it was really an awesome day, awesome getting it all done at one in one sitting awesome final round there like then we're exhausted we're tired people are just wanting to go home and like it was it was such a spicy final round Mm. i can say there were two moments in that game that i was like losing my mind they were the best moments one was when jackson played political stability and Mm -hmm. and did the loophole on that deal the other was when harold had his home system taken and then he had the secret (laughs) the secret he like completely poker face. No one knew that he had this secret objective that is like get your home world taken from you. Well, it was hilarious because what what happened with that is the other player was like, I want to go here. 
Um, it's gonna not totally won't hurt you. Totally won't, won't, won't bother you. And, and Harold's like, you go there. I'm going to shoot you with all my guns in my neighboring systems. And he's like, why would you do that? Like, there's no point. And he's like, I'm going to do it. And he's like, well, what would I have to do for you to not, you know, for you to not do that? He's like, you just have to go somewhere else. And he's like, well, fine. I'm, I'll take your home system then. And he was like, I mean, do what you have to. And, uh, <laughs> and then, and, then, and so we're all sitting there going, seriously, you're not going to make any kind of an offer to save your home system. And you're going to force him to attack you instead of something else that's going to completely not hurt you. And he's like, I mean, he's got to do what he needs to do. And like none of us realized that he secretly had a card in his hand that meant he's going to get a point when his home system got attacked. And, and to be clear, normally, normally that is saved for like towards the end of the game. Right. As like, you know, you've, you've drawn enough heat to where like it's the last point to get you over the finish line because once you lose your home system, it's, you can't really get points very easily after that until you take it back. It's, it's a big pain in the ass. And he also lost the space dock. I'm not going to yeah. go into the details if you don't know much about TI, but the point was is that normally that was saved for like a very end game thing, and he poker faced it and had it happen in like round three of the game, and it was it, like insane. It was wild. It was yep. like, I was like screaming. It was incredible. When he threw <laughs> was, that card down, was, and he was, was like, amazing. that was a point for me. And of course, he was playing <laughs> Titans of Ul, who are like really good at like getting stuff back in their slice. They're very, like, right. kind of defensive, so he was able to get it back pretty quickly. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Just boss. It was a gangster yep. move. It was awesome. But, yeah, uh, I, I just wanted to circle back then to our warm-up question of, you know, king-making, and I think just having our discussion here, I, it's important then... It's important to not just throw games away just because you want them over. I think that that's a really critical point for me because a lot of our enjoyment that we just talked about here was because people were still playing like to the best of their ability. Like at the end of the day, like I'm pretty sure Sarah knew in her position at that moment, she probably didn't have much of a chance of winning the game. No, I had two, I had two more rounds. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like you would have had to, had to have had it go like a pretty long time for that to happen just with the way that the game was, but that still didn't stop you from like this is technically the right move. Like, I should be stopping him from winning the game because then technically there could be another round and maybe that does put you in a position to win. Like, even though you wanted it to be over. Now, there, there are times when I am actually completely comfortable with king-making. And, and typically, those are, are situations, uh, like even in a Twilight Imperium game, where, say, if, if I've spent my entire game you know, harassing and, and, and attacking Sarah's uh, stuff on the board and have just thoroughly, you know, made an in-game, you know, uh, you know, heal myself. At that point, if Sarah, you know, play, you know, chooses not to play a card to let Tim win or plays a card that, you know, hurts me and helps Tim win and, and King makes Tim over me at that point, I feel like in-game, in it makes sense that her faction would choose a side. Um, yeah, know, I, sure. I think there, there are definitely there are games, yeah. Yeah. you know, where, 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 where if within... Within the the context of the game, it it makes narrative sense that your that your faction would want to king make. Mm-hmm. I'm much more comfortable with someone doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I definitely think that there are cases where you know when given the option, even it, you really gotta gotta weigh and consider where you're at in the game because if it is towards the end of the game and you really just feel like you don't have any chance of winning within a re- like. The stars would have to, like, it's not impossible for you to win, mm-hmm. but the stars would have to align. And you're just like, it's not worth the time and effort for that to really happen. Like, let's just move on to the next game, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And then you're willing to, like, okay, well, this, to your point, Ken, like, mm-hmm. person A fucked me over and person B didn't. Well, I'm going to help person B win 
like I'm let's just be done with it, you know. Yeah. There's a fine line between king making and just a strong alliance that was forged from the start of the game for mm-hmm. other reasons and then that just plays out by somebody helping another person win in a way that aligns with that allegiance mm-hmm. like that. I I mean, I, I would still actually if if your if your alliance results in in someone being, you know, being given a win of the game, I would I would actually still probably categorize that as king making in, in a way. Like if, if you if I throw on that does does mm-hmm. hand a win to somebody, that's that, that is kind of king making. Um, that but. is a little bit more curious, right? Like when you start out, like let's say so in TI for example, you start off with two neighbors, mm-hmm. and in general you play pretty nicely with them unless you just happen to be a really aggressive faction where you kind of need to cannibalize your neighbors a little bit but for the most part you're usually playing pretty friendly with them and the real enemies are on the other side of the map those those other people um and in some ways it can maybe feel weird if like the person who's been helping you you know or you've been working together all game and then when it gets kind of to the end of the game and you know you have the chance to win or maybe a person from the other the other side of the map does I'm not really sure what the right answer there is because it feels like you've already helped this person all game and now you're going to help them win. So like that, that can be a little weird. I could see it like going, I I could see the argument going either way. Whereas I could definitely, I could also definitely see the argument that Jackson and people were actually making it uh, in our game that Jackson following through on his agreement to let me have the strategy card that I wanted um, was, you know, was a form of King making. Um, I had specifically done that with him because I had definite, full rights to be able to take it and i was right. offering no him, i mean that you know, i offered to sell it but i mean I, I can even see i could see an argument for 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 saying that he you know shouldn't have followed through on that on that deal even at that point because it was a non-binding deal and it was one that potentially handed me the game so um i i think i probably in his situation would have followed through on the deal that was made that was kind of probably i think more what sarah was saying is that if there's a specific concrete deal you follow through on it, but is that what you meant by that, Sarah? We, Tim and I have been battering the idea around. Uh, is, that, is that what you meant? <laughs> yeah, no, that's, pre- that's pretty much what I meant. And also I should point out, Tim won the game with one point from someone else's support for the throne, so that is an alliance that gave him a whole freaking point. So <laughs> Yeah, one out of ten, which, I mean, yeah. we, that's not to be like, every point in that game matters a lot. So, yeah, and, um, and you get someone's support for the throne through very you know, strong alliance or play actions. Like it's, it's part of the game. So it's not really like a frowned upon. Like if you just threw your support for the throne across the table at someone, cause you were ready when to they had home, nine points already, that would be, that would, that would definitely be, a, be king making. That'd be a sin for sure. Yeah. And that, and that support for the throne was, was my support that I had given him because I completely put myself into a situation where I accidentally could not fulfill both a bargain I made with Tim and a bargain I made with somebody else. And I, when I realized what I had done, I was like, okay, um, because r- rather than, rather than, uh, you know, cause my, my bargain with not being able to fall through my door with Tim potentially was going to cost him a point. Um, I gave him the point that he would have lost. Um, he didn't end up figuring out how to get the point through another, another yeah, path. I mean, so, I mean, it, it but, goes down the pathway of also just kind of talking about table metas and, um, how if you play with the same group of people, no matter what game it is, especially if you're playing like competitive games, like 
people will remember if you did some shitty things to them sometimes and depending on how how much or how little they were called for so just things to keep in mind as well where we keep track of you know we we, uh, generally hold our end of the bargains when it comes to things like that because we'll always play with each other all the time and if we knew that you lied about it all the time we'd never make deals with you anymore so yeah we all have such high integrity Oh, thanks. I, I would caution against kingmaking based on things outside of, of, of the game, though, or outside of the current yeah, game. Like I, think I mentioned yeah. like kingmaking because, you know, uh, this is your romantic interest or your crush. Not a good idea. Uh, no, no, you know, no, no. Don't, don't, don't do that. Uh, you need to sacrifice getting laid sometimes to win a game, all right? It's just the way it is. It's also not going to work. People are not going. It's, it's not going to work. <laughs> the nerds are like, that can't be true. <laughs> Surely, surely if I help her win. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My lady, my lady. All right. Stop. Stop. We're, tip, we're tip moving on. No, we're moving on. We're moving on to our main content for this episode. <laughs> we need to get out of that. Okay. Um, so, so we're going to talk about uh, game duration, how long a game runs. How important is that? How often do we think about it? What are like initial thoughts? I mean, I feel like it is always it is always part of the question on can we play Quiet Imperium because a game that's that long, <laughs> the length of it is absolutely an imposition. Oh yeah, I mean, and even things like so duration has kind of a lot of different uh, aspects to it because mm-hmm. we could be first of all talking about the time it takes to play one round of that game printed on the box, mm-hmm. whether that is usually a complete lie, which it usually is, or not, um, or if you're talking about a campaign-like game or a legacy game where really the com- the time is all the combined sessions it's going to take to realistically complete that game. Which, as we've said, has kept King's Dilemma from hitting Kim's table because mm-hmm. the you know, each session might only be an hour, but he doesn't want to want to commit to a long-term thing and he knows he has people who actually follow through on it. Right, exactly. Just consistency of groups. So, you know, you can look at duration from that perspective, which... I generally am considering that when it comes to, you know, a, a legacy-like or continuous playthrough sort of game. All right. So it's definitely, like, going to determine what's coming out to the table depending on, like, what what your length of the game night is going to be. Like, my, my bread and butter are RPG games, and usually RPG games are long, multi-session, hmm. full weekend kind of deals, so... I like that. I like, you know, my, my group from college, we always played games like that. So it was like a given that it was going to be a super long duration. If I had brought out something super short, it would have been like, what's the point even of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why did we learn rules to play something for 20 minutes? Yeah, they take so long to learn and there's just not that much substance to them. And you're just like, why was this so hard to learn? <laughs> this is another one of those like board game sommelier moments where it's matching the game and its attributes to the function that you're going to yep. like, is this a super mm-hmm. casual couple hours? Don't bring twilight Imperium. Is this right. a right. board game weekend in the mountains with your friends? Maybe don't fill that all with sushi go, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I, the reason why I find duration really tricky is, and especially this relates to newcomers. So mm-hmm. I'll have people who haven't really played many board games, and they'll come over to my house for a game night, and they get really intimidated when you... If you just... If you say how long the game actually is. (laughs) Like, if you're like, this will be a three-hour game, they'd be like, oh, fuck no. 
Why would I play a three-hour yep. board game? However, if you teach them and show them the game first, and they are knee-deep in it, they will never believe that three hours just passed by. Yep. And then at the There's end like, of that three hours, Tim will be like, okay, what's, what are we playing next? <laughs> yes, I will still do that. but but Every time. <laughs> but at the same time, though, I think that's a testament to, like, I think it's maybe a sin to just jump in and, like, if, if you're, like, all expert board gamers or you're very familiar with the games, I think it's more fair to go, okay, this is reasonably like a two and a half hour game. And then everyone can go, yeah, all right, sure. But like, mm-hmm. if you're trying to introduce people, I think it can be really scary if you tell them how long those games are first. And the, uh, the benefit though of starting people with, with shorter games is that you can teach the game just by playing the first, you know, the first game. Yeah. Like, so skull, sure. I don't, I don't, I never teach the rules of skull before we start playing. I just start, I deal out the cards and I say, okay, we're playing skull, put a card down. They're like, well, what do the cards mean? Like, doesn't matter. This first game isn't going to last long enough for you to care. And we just play. And we finished one round of skull. People now know, okay, let's play again. Now that I know the rules. And that, that, that's something with a, with a short game, you can just, you just, you just play a, play a, play a game of it entirely and not be able to know how to play the game. Whereas you definitely can't do that with your three hour game. By the time they get to the end of the three hour game, they realize. It would, it would be kind of cool to have games that could like do that more, you know, where you literally could just jump into them. I think that anything with complexity, it's kind of a misnomer. There's like, for example, the, the TI roll and write that I got mm-hmm. you. It, it was like, oh, just start playing. And it's like, yep. you have to pull out like 10 things to like get it started. I'm just like, no, not really. Like yep. this game has enough length to it that I feel like I'm doing myself a, distur- a disservice by not knowing what all the mechanics are. Because now I'm just going to want to play again. And I would have wished right. I knew all those rules to begin with when I started. Oh, so yeah. I figured out, I, I learned recently a very fun board game term for what we're talking mm. about, and that Ooh. is onboarding, Yeah, when yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. learning how to play a game. Sometimes games will have kind of tutorial stuff to teach you some of the rules, and then some more of the rules, and then some more of the rules, and mm. games that do that really well have really good onboarding, huh? Mm-hmm. So like um, Jaws of the Lion is one of the best mm-hmm. onboarding games, because it starts out very simple. And you do five scenarios, which is like five mm-hmm. sessions to learn all the rules before you really start playing the game. And it is just fantastic. I mean, onboarding is like legacy games usually in a nutshell. They're always like, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to add a little bit more. Now a little bit more and a little bit more. So like, you know, Pandic- Pandemic Legacy like lay the foundation for that in terms of like we're going to have an increasingly expanding rule set for every new round that you play. Um, yep. I-, I really like that style. It's it's pretty cool. The, the risk of... of- highly you know developed uh, uh onboarding kinds of policies is that sometimes those initial you know games or rounds can be very very boring because they are trying to just teach you some basic rules and don't really make it fun mm-hmm. um so and those those are cases to be aware of when you're when you're encountering them so there are games where i definitely will just you know launch players and especially now i know the rules and know how to play it will definitely skip a lot of the onboarding kind of things and just let's uh, just get right into one of the more interesting rule sets or scenarios, but that can be an issue. So, so sidebar on this, there are five, like I said, five Jaws of the Lion onboarding scenarios. And one of them, I swear, is, is to punish you. <laughs> like, yep. We so close to lost that game and we figured out a lot of like the mechanics of like, don't do it this way because they set it up so freaking sure, well. Sure. Like yeah, it's sure, intended sure. to teach you don't do this by like 
making you do it a little bit weird. Yeah, learn, mm-hmm. learning by failing. Yeah, 100%. Um, now, now, so what do you guys consider a long game now? So you've board game, all of us have played a lot of board games at this point. What to you feels like a long board game? Is it just, or do you look at it just from a time scale? Like literally it was three hours long and to me that's long. Or is it how it feels while you're playing it? Is it because you're waiting around a long time? You know, there, there's a lot of things that go into duration. It can be like actual duration versus the perception of duration. Am I planning yeah. to bring my knitting? That is when oh. I know it's a long game. If it's a, mm. like, if I'm going to be sitting there long enough that I can knit like a third of a blanket, which I did during our Twilight Imperium game, that's a long game. If it's usually like three hours or less is short and above that is long. Does that interact with how much you expect to have to be thinking or interacting with the game? Uh, so if it's, a, if it's a longer game, but you're having to constantly do things, you wouldn't be able to knit with that, right? I mean, I do a lot of things through instinct. I do a lot of things through instinct. I'm not <laughs> sitting there thinking <laughs> really hard uh, about It's not that I don't have strategy. My strategy mm-hmm. is just not super involved. Well, I mean, that might just be that you just only have the capacity to think about a game so much. And then you're just like, all right, whatever, I'm done. Yeah. Not not that you're not capable of strategizing. It's just like you have a certain threshold that you're willing to think about it. And then you're like, all right, peace and out. Anything more than that is work. So <laughs> plus knitting, moving my hands mm-hmm. and doing things like that helps me to focus, too, because I don't know, it, it, like an ADHD thing or something like I'm doing something with my hands. It's almost like people that doodle in meetings to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Part of my brain is doodling so that the other part can focus. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> It's Absolutely. almost like things like fidget spinners and stuff exist. Yep. Exactly. It's like a fidget spinner, but I made a blanket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, would you say, though, that, I mean, you're probably, it seems like you're probably concentrating just as much as you were if you weren't doing it, or maybe you feel like you have the tendency to overthink things, and so you're just like, here's my way of just, like, putting a boundary on, on like, that time. Yeah, yeah. Especially since, you know... The amount of time that you spend thinking about things affects the length of the game. Yep. Yeah. Although I will say with our TI game, even though we were, some of us were competing for shortest <laughs> turn, we were all pretty close. Yep. Like. No, it was even, all very reasonable. I don't know where that came from. That was kind of a sidebar that was unrelated to what we were talking about, but. No, I, I think that, you know, that kind of gets to, you know, the point that I kind of landed on on accident is duration is wildly affected by the players playing it. Yeah. So if you have people who are doing long ass turns all the time, like you can easily, you know, take a two hour game and stretch it to a four hour game. I, I used to have a friend that would take much longer turns than the other players. And I mean, he would often would win games doing that. But I mean, there definitely would be would be games and game nights that he was not invited to because we knew that the game was already going to tend to drag and be long and he wouldn't pace himself to what people were taking. And, and that becomes a thing that. Like with any of these these more complex games, there there can be turns and times when everyone is fine with you taking a long time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're consistently taking a lot longer on all of your turns than every other player there, though, I mean, that is is going to be a problem for most play groups. There, people are going to, you know, you you do want to be timing the length of your turns to what is uh, similar and comfortable for the other players because otherwise they're having to sit around and wait while, while you're taking your turns. I think that that becomes a big element as well with game length is that 
games where people can feel like they can be thinking and planning and doing things uh, the entire time, like you're like you're saying, I think feel shorter than games where you spend a lot of time waiting for your turn to come back around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wait, I mean, so it, what? What would you guys consider a long game? I gave my answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I I tend to generally think of a game that is less less than thirty minutes is a very short, quick game. So you know things that can be really good to do between other activities, uh, things that you know you, you can do uh, while someone's finishing up, uh, you know, getting dinner ready or whatever. So you know, in that case, that is things like you know a sushi go or a we're doomed that you can just knock out. Uh, or doomed, you know, it's on a timer, so it, it has a very fixed length of time, and you know it's done. Um, but there's things like that, you know, some card games and things that can be very quick. Um, anything under an hour, I tend to think of as, as being a shorter game. Yeah, hour is probably my line. Yeah. And, and anything between like one and three hours is kind of mid range, and then you know, over three hours is starting to get to be a long game because at that point, like, it is something that you know, if we get together, you know, in the early afternoon to start playing this game. By the time we're done, it's dinner time. If if I get people together. You know, after dinner to uh, you know in the evening to play this, I have to start worrying about whether people whether they're going to be finished before people want to go home and go to bed. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, three three hours uh, really starts being uh, uh, you know kind of a limiter. You know, once you start hitting four or five hours, um, it really gets hard to, for people who are adults with lives and plans to find time to ever get it to a table. It's like it's like old school airplane rules. Like if it's over four mm-hmm. hours, you have to feed people. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think it's. I mean, it's really interesting to me that we all pretty much land in the same ballpark because I also would say that past three hours is maybe a long game, but yep, and less than an hour is a short game, and I don't really have many short games overall. Like I would say they usually sit in the one to two hour window. But, uh, or even more so like, and that would be even for like two player games mm-hmm. and just smaller, shorter games. But the, uh, larger games that I have, they're probably air anywhere from two to three and a half hours, just depending on, you know, setup and, and, you know, maybe rules, refreshers, things like that. Mm-hmm. Ideally, you know, most of the board game nights that I host are five hours long. In my mind, I'm hoping I get to play two games out of that, um, mm-hmm. more often than not. Um, and it could be that one game, you know, runs a little longer or shorter, or maybe it'd be nice if they're kind of perfectly two and a half hours or maybe even three and a half hour long game and an hour and a half long game. But, Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of what I shoot for. And so I do view longer than three hours is definitely a long game. I mean, it kind of makes sense to me that we all have the same duration tolerance because we all routinely play games together. (laughs) I mean, uh, that's a, one thing I was going to say is maybe I've tainted you guys because that's kind of how a lot of the 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 weight the weight of games that I have usually does tend in that in that time window. So let's let's talk about the elephant in the room, and that is the duration on the box. Is mm-hmm. that is that a made up number? How do, is it's imaginary, right? I I don't think it is, but I think for the average person, it is like. That is operating under the assumption that, like, all right, I'm getting rid of my entire game collection. I'm keeping my three favorite games, and you guys are going to play the hell out of them with me. And if we played those games all the time, that is the time on the box. Like, we know the game in and out. And everybody knows the rules. Everybody knows an the rules. Expert. Um, now, obviously, you can go the other direction to where, and we we hinted at this in I think an episode or two ago where. 
as you start to maybe enter the meta space of like now everyone knows literally every card and so it actually makes the decisions harder because you know everything that's there and you can kind of analyze it from that perspective it could actually do the reverse and start making the game longer again but i imagine that they came to those conclusions of like if everybody you know knows the rules and takes their turn pretty quick it is reasonable to end up in this time window and I'm wondering if they're putting artificial constraints on themselves of like, you know, I wish there was some more like information in terms of that length. Like maybe you open up the manual and they're like, if each person takes one minute per turn, you know, like something that is like a caveat to like how they arrived at that number. That would be kind of nice. But I imagine it's people like the time that you spend thinking is the time that it is not your turn. And then when it gets to your turn, you do your thing. Yeah, I mean, but that's still for some for some games turns are really fast, so maybe that wouldn't be enough. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, and it really, like you said, I think it can vary based on game and how it's balanced. My friend Lars yesterday told me that uh, he'd gotten Fire Tower. It's it's a fifteen to thirty minute game. It's uh, you know ages fourteen and up. It's a, it's a it's a relatively simple and straightforward game that I've seen you know first graders learn and enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I did warn him that you know as I, as people get very very good at that game it is one that becomes just a grind to actually win and finish an end because really hardcore gamers playing a game that you know has a a, a weight of 1.8 and a, will really will allow you to calculate all the possibilities and plan for all the options it's just it just becomes a, a slog to get to to eliminate anybody because really good players can consider all the options and you know it gets very very hard to end that game mm-hmm. if people get that intense into it and that which of course me and my friends absolutely did um and so you know games like that can sometimes get like you're saying you know a lot longer can kind of start you know clogging up as people get too too good at them if they're if they're designed to only sustain a little more casual play mm-hmm. but um yeah you know you know who you are if you're playing a, a simple game it's supposed to be 15 to 30 minutes and you're going to and your game is going to last two hours um i don't have to tell you what you're what you're doing people who on the on, who are listening to this who do that you know you know exactly who you are <laughs> i mean just to just to give an example of how off base these these estimates can be the the one for twilight imperium which again we said we played oh, for no. 12 hours we played for 12 mm. hours on saturday and that felt like the fastest we've ever played it. Full six player game. So on the, I think it was closer to eleven, but I, I, I point taken, point taken on, nonetheless. On the box, the range that they give is four to eight hours. We were a solid fifty percent over, and that was our fastest game. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I do have to say, how long does it say for the expansion? Because games, I think, are t- are overall tending to be slightly longer with the expansion. I think. Oh, I don't know. I only pulled up Twilight Imperium. I don't know how to ah, pull fair. up an expansion. <laughs> ah, fair enough. But uh, yeah, to your point, Sarah, that like in see the problem is they're all they're also trying to capture like lower player counts there too, right? So maybe a four player game does go that fast. No one knows because who the hell would play Ti at four players? It, um, it also it also says four to eight hours, uh, Tim, for the expansion. Okay, they just um, yeah I, whatever. I actually I know I, I do I do have some friends that will do only exclusively play it as a four-player game and they talk about how great it is to 
you know, have everybody get uh, two, uh, two strategy cards and how it gives you so much more control over what you're doing and mm-hmm. absolutely love it that way. Um, I have never actually played it that way. I mean, it's okay. You know, not everyone can be right. Despite having said, oh, you should come over for some time. But yeah. <laughs> so. All the four-player TI people are, are not, not listening to our podcast anymore. You've offended them, Tim. No, that's, that's, probably, that's probably for the best. It's, it's for... I don't... I, I don't, I don't I don't know if my friend John listened to it be, to begin with, but uh, yeah, uh, John, if you if you are listening and we have told you that you're playing Twilight Imperium wrong, um, sorry, you, you are. That's uh, eh, a discussion for another day. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I I see where the box times are coming from, and usually the ones that are the most accurate are the ones that say like uh, X or Y time per player. Right. Those usually seem to be the most accurate in in my mind. But it's, it's, I feel for them. It's not an easy challenge to try and time like a game that you yourself have built from the ground up, you know, in and out. And you're trying to say like, well, you know, on average, how long does this take? I mean, you're not the average. And I, I sympathize with them for that reason. I'm not sure how else they can really come up with good estimates. It's not an easy problem. Okay. Not really sure what they get their data, but. (laughs) (laughs) Tournament players. There was uh, one interesting uh, conversation I want to have around that subject, and that's also, it kind of harkens back to what I was talking about earlier, which is how a game feels. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. a common complaint that, uh, that you have with some engine builders, for example, is the game's over and I just got my engine going, you know? There's also that where, you know, maybe some games feel like they need to be longer and they feel like even if we're, we're now like not looking at actual raw time that a game mm-hmm. takes, but how it feels, because I think that that matters a lot. Like I mentioned earlier with new players, how if you tell them how long this game will take, they're like, Ugh, but if they when they play it, then they realize three hours flew by like it was nothing. And I feel like some games can make it feel like they're just they are overstayed their welcome. It feels like this game should have been over an hour ago, not because anybody's taking long turns. It's just, it feels like the game has kind of run its course and it's still going. Um, I That's where I was at 1 a.m. on Saturday. <laughs> yes, I could, uh, for sure. I, I can understand that. Um, and then other games, it's just like we were just, I just felt like we were just getting going and now the game's over. That that kind of sucks too. But I yeah. don't know. I, I kind of view duration in, in that, uh, from that perspective as well, a little bit. Okay, so let's break it down into some different categories. Talk about pros, cons of them. So short games. What do we like about short games? I like that you can drop them into other group activities very easily without it being super disruptive. If I, if I pull out a, a three-hour-long game in the middle of somebody's party, they are going to get annoyed at me. If I drop in and go, and go sit in a corner and play a, a 15, 30-minute-long game with some friends nobody gets that you know like oh uh what, what's that that looks fun um so if i'm dropping into some other some other activity somebody else's plan or even at another people person's game day like i can do a short game while the other long game is finishing up or the other you know mid-range game is, fi- is finishing up before we switch around tables and people play something else so as as fillers uh short games are really awesome I do also like that generally, this is not an absolute, but generally shorter games have simpler rule sets and they're easier Mm -hmm. to teach because like I said earlier, you don't want to spend 30 minutes learning the rules to a game that's going to take 15 minutes. Yeah, I will say that I've hooked players who are just like, I don't know if board games are for me by just saying like, look, I can teach you this in two minutes 
and you'll be hooked. Like the, if you can, like Railroad Inc. definitely sells that way. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really easy to be like, I can teach you the rules in a couple minutes, and then before you know it, you're just you're just getting lost in the decisions, like in a good way. You're like, oh man, this is really cool, and and then you're it, fighting over who's going to get to roll the dice because no one wants to because everybody's like, oh my god, if I roll badly, everyone's going to hate me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, to to Ken's point, I think it's just being able to hook people in really quickly, um, and that's why I also I have a very very narrow set of short games that I know mm-hmm. that I can hook people in with because I feel like. If the short games don't hook people, you're going to have a really hard time convincing them that the long games are going to do it for them. Is there kind of like a pretension that like leads to condescension for short games? Sorry, that was like a weird sentence. But like, do people look down on short games just because they are usually simpler and quick? I think I do, but not on purpose. I think the problem I run into is... A lot of short games, because of the substance of the other games I played, it's really hard for them to hook me anymore. Like, uh, now that being said, and we alluded to this in a few other episodes, where there is kind of this this complexity curve that a board gamer will go through, to where they start to appreciate games that are simple, and they they've played enough games that they're like, oh man, they they were able to capture this feeling that this longer game gives me but in a much smaller tighter package and that and without that experience of like longer more complex games it's hard to adequately appreciate how elegant that really is until it is done that way and so it makes me all the more critical of if a short game isn't doing something that magical like that I just kind of write it off. It's just like, uh, it's just meant to be kind of a, an intro, you know, hook game for people just getting into board games. I don't think there's anything wrong with them. I just, that's one reason why I don't have many of them in my collection is because they aren't really doing that magic that I now appreciate more with like Railroad Inc. For example, there's Mm -hmm. so much substance to such a small, simple game like that. And I think that having like striking that magic is really hard to do. Oh, Railroad Inc. is just the best. I love that game. It's such a good mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Or Cryptid, if, if you for don't example. have if you don't have Railroad Inc., I sw- just go on Amazon. Or if you don't like Amazon because they're mm-hmm. kind of evil, go to your local board game store. I'm sure they have it. <laughs> now, is is Railroad Inc. guaranteed to blow you away? Probably not every person. No, but I think that it's kind of irrefutable, at least in terms of. How much is there in such a small package? It does a really good job of offering, you know, especially if you get the stuff with like the expansions, there is so much content in a teeny box and it's very impressive. And you always feel like that you could play better, even though there is a lot of luck there with just whatever rolls out. So I think that that's what I look for with, with short games, but it is really easy to write them off for that reason, because a lot of them do have just really simple mechanics and, you know, it's whether it rubs you the right way or not, or you really feel like that there's substance there beyond, you know, like at this point, King of Tokyo, for example, pretty short game. I would say I still super, uh, super recommend it to people trying to get into board games or they just want to yep. see what's out there. Am I aching to play that one? Not really very much. I would much rather play Railroad Inc. Um, right. And so there, there's 
like there's different things going on there. Like I can easily, I think, get people more into board games if they're on the fence with something like King of Tokyo because it's like, do you like you remember, you know, Yahtzee when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. It's just Yahtzee with monsters and you can do more stuff. And that's wait, how easy. have I not played this game? This sounds oh. amazing. I want to play Yahtzee with monsters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's a good it's a good game, but I think that if you're look, it's I don't think it's gonna strike you like lightning like Railroad Inc. does. It, I mean, it does have a lot of dice rolling. It does like what is fun about King of Tokyo is is that dice rolling is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, what's fun about King of Tokyo is that moving your monster standy into and out of the city is fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is fun about it is that you are trying to become the most famous monster by wrecking destruction and mm-hmm. damaging the other players. Is it really that mechanically complex? Are you? Do you really have a very deep decision space? No, you don't. No, you don't. Um, yeah. Are the powers really that evocative? And the, the names on them are kind of fun. The ideas, if you can kind of visualize what they would mean on your monster is fun. Thematically, it's a great game. And that, and that to me is what makes a great short game. I feel like the... The decision space in short games is often not incredible, but I mean that's what I love about short games like uh, you know No Thanks or Welcome To. Um, yeah, Welcome To is great. Yeah, you know it's a short game. It's not it's not a super complex decision space. It's not super complex to learn, but it's it's mm-hmm. fun. It gives you you know it, it puts you in the in the mindset of an urban planner trying to decide where to build things. It, mm-hmm. it, it's just fun. Yeah, and, and the line does feel kind of arbitrary, but I mean, it's it's going to be different for every person. Because, um, yeah, my line is maybe arbitrarily drawn at like, well, this dice chucker is more interesting than this dice chucker. You know, well, because again, what's appealing to us about these is going to be purely an emotional appeal, really. It's like Tim and I, I think, have a lot stronger agreement about longer strategic games that we both are going to love because we love what the decision space of that is we're both wanting to be appealed to emotionally by a short game. And what appeals to me emotionally might not be what appeals to Tim you know, emotionally. That's mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. why I love seven wonders. Like emotionally that, that resonates with me in a cool way. Mm-hmm. Is the decision space great in seven wonders? I mean, well, there, there's substance there for sure. Whereas, you know, Tim, uh, Tim really likes, uh, you know, uh, what am I thinking here? Uh, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful uh, world. It's a wonderful world. Thank you. I was going to, I was going to say it's a wonderful life, which is, <laughs> not the name of the game, um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a wonderful world. Um, they really could have come up with a better name. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy the game. It's emotionally fun. It's again, you know, fairly short. It might be, that might, might be an hour and a half. It's, it's, a it, it's definitely wonders, longer than but, seven wonders, but uh, you're not going to spend half the game like creating a deck. So at least there's that. <laughs> but um, and again, that's where my seven wonders is so much easier to play online during the pandemic because um, I push a button and I mean, we're knocking out 15, 20 minute games. Of oh, that game is legitimately and... 15 minutes. If everyone knows how to play for sure. Yep. And but... so, I mean, it was quick. It was fast. Uh, you know, we all had a good time doing it. Uh, but it's again, because of the emotional impact it has on it. And I, I feel like that as I think about the short games that I love, um, even, you know, sushi go, I love it because the emotions I feel of picking out what kind of sushi rolls I'm going to put on my plate is fun. Um, is it that complex? Not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's actually why I prefer the base Sushi Go to Sushi Go Party because I feel like Party adds more complexity to Sushi Go than I even really want. I just want something that's going to be quick and easy and the same every time. And, you know, it's a comfort game. Okay. But... So, to, so to that end, Ken, are you 
when you are looking for short games, would do you generally prefer that they actually don't have much of a decision space? Is is that like almost a preference you think, or it's just kind of a ha- happy circumstance of most of them are that way anyway? I think what I'm looking for from them is is an emotional appeal, and I can handle a big decision space, but. It, a, a small decision space for a simpler, easier, short game makes it easier for me to put it on a table and get people to play it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I'm, so, I'm thinking yeah, of like some other short games like Lost Cities, for example, which I'm not sure if either of you have played it, but um, it's, it's, a simple hand, hand, yeah. it's a simple hand management game. But it, through that, it actually has a pretty large decision space for how short and small the game is. And that's the kind of stuff that I look for. I, I, I want small, short packages, but for there to still be plenty to think about. And the other shorter games that I have that don't have that much, I usually kind of keep those in my back pocket for other people. I'm not really pulling them out myself and getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. it like, obviously, I'm still enjoying it if I'm playing it with people and I'm getting to, especially if I'm getting introduced somebody to the hobby and now they're excited about it. Like, then I feel like, oh, you know, that was worth, like that is where my joy comes from with that, but I don't frequently pull them out my myself for the sake of like I enjoy these short, simple mm-hmm. games a lot. Yeah, well, uh, so I think I'm kind of I'm a lot like I, I really like short games. Like I said earlier, my bread and butter are the long games because I like broke my cut my because you're because you're stuck with us. Yeah, and I'm stuck with y'all. But like playing solo games. I freaking love really quick ones like Final Girl. Ooh, I can play I can play a right. game of Final Girl in like 20 to 30 minutes and it works well for my strategy style because I'm like a hypothesis tester. I can set up a scenario and say, okay, I'm going to go really hard on trying to like get my focus down hmm. so I can roll more dice for this and see if that pans out. And if I lose the game, I, I reset it and I can play it again with a different strategy. And that really works for me because like why am I playing this game by myself? Because I want to be entertained. How am I entertained? quick turnaround you know Mm -hmm. sir that's a good point i didn't really think much about solo games but i can't say many of my solo games are super fast i've got a couple Mm -hmm. of fairly light ones but uh most of those also are actually kind of longer now that i think about it but i actually would have less of a problem with like shorter solo games i think yeah it's it's like a sweet spot because you know if you're I don't know. There's something a little weird to me about setting up a game that you're going to play by yourself for 12 hours. But, you know, if I'm killing like an hour here and there, it's a little more. Uh, listeners that may do that, you're, we, we love you. That's fine. Uh, Sarah know, doesn't, no but that's also okay. <laughs> no, this is, this is, that is absolutely. Sarah thinks you're weird. No, no that's absolutely an internalized <laughs> stigma against it like that's not a, i'm not projecting on other people i mean solo I games just weird. have a stigma in general you know it doesn't matter how long they are they we just have, have a, a whole episode about that because it's stupid we got to break that stigma solo games are the shit they're so mm-hmm. fun mm-hmm. Um, I, honestly my the only thing that's a real detriment to me with it is just like set up and tear down like other than that like if it was like a video game where i could just boot it up and it would be yep. instantly there I'm, I'm i'm there man but there's not and many that's, games that's that have have set up like that Exactly the competition that solo games have for me is that if I'm playing sol- a solo board game, I nine times out of ten would rather would rather play a computer game. Like I'm just I'm it, it gets that yeah. gratification. It's there. I don't have to, I can I can save it and pause it whenever I want to. Wait, it's but just, there it's hard, is it's hard for them to compete for me. Yeah, I there's can a chip that. theory. There's a chip theory game called Hoplomachus Victorum, and it is 
incredible because it's very tactile. You know, you've got chips because that's like chip theory's whole thing is like it's a poker chip based game. But mm. the guy at the at uh, the board game store was telling me that the best thing about it, it sits all in these like the inserts for it are perfect. So. <laughs> It comes uh, out of the box. He knows really you quickly. well enough that he knows. He just has to say, "No, no, no." The inserts, Sarah. You're not going to believe. But the this. inserts. Uh, he, Game so sold. apparently, the setup and the takedown is super fast because the inserts are set up very well. So you can just pop it in the. I mean, the box is like gigantic. I mean, the, okay, guys, this is the kind of shit you talk about though when you get into board games. Like for example, Unsettled, the planet survival game we talked about. Like the insert for that is phenomenal. The, like it's so easy to pull the game out and. It's it's it is very important. So it's very easy to get you know man boner, lady boner, whatever. All right, like when it comes to like having a nice box that just everything just comes out. Yeah, I would definitely say set up for Prime Imperium, not fast. No, <laughs> you got to do that beforehand. Not fast. Even with a even with a hundred dollar you know insert that like has everything nicely organized it still takes forever okay so speaking of ti long games pros and cons what are we thinking nothing elicits the feeling of just like this long epic that you've been through together i -hmm. think that that anything that you can go back and you have a meta discussion about what unfolded can i think that right there that degree of substance is so fun to just think about and tease out and that's what i love about long games i say one of the biggest negatives of long games is that if one or more players gets you know really tired of it or feels like they're losing Mm. and has no chance and has to continue to play a long game for you know hours after they no longer want to be playing a game um that is one of like that's a feels me, bad that's moment. That's what I think. That, yeah, it makes you feel really bad as a as a host, really bad as a player who's still having fun, really bad as a person who may be <laughs> winning. Bad for having fun. I mean, it's well, true though. Yes, because you, you sit there like I'm having a lot of fun. This is really going. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. You know, I'm 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 good sitting here another three hours. And I look over and I see one of the players. They're like they they just want to go home right now. They're pulling and... the gun out. They're contemplating life. You know, is it worth it? Yeah. I did literally fall asleep on the table. I like I waited in my mind. Like, is it weird for me to just put my head down right now? Can I put my head down? Is that weird? <laughs> so tired. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunate circumstances there uh, that we started three hours later than we should have. Yeah. But I'm I'm sure that Ken's comments were not totally aimed at me. But <laughs> no, I mean, I. I it's really easy to run into that situation. And unless that person has, you know, a, a mentality of steel to just be like, you know, I'm just going to play it through whatever, you know, I don't have a chance, but maybe I'll learn something along the way or something, you know, like I like any one of us would probably be a pretty good sport about it just because like, yeah. we know, that's how games are, but it's some people just can't turn that off. And it's just like when they have no hope, they're like, why the fuck am I here? You know? Yeah, I will say I've seen it go very sour where someone like was verbally saying like, why the fuck am I even here? <laughs> like, that has happened. And, and I, to me, I mean, that is that is the number one biggest drawback uh, to long games um, mm. for me is, you know, if I mean, if we're playing a long game and nobody's having fun, we just pull Peace books. Out. OK, yeah, that's just let's just let's just end this. And. Definitely encouraging any listeners who are, who are in that situation. If, if you're playing a game and nobody's having fun, 
it's okay to just stop playing the game. You don't have Wait, to finish. And it may you, not even be you, the game's fault per se. It could just be that that particular round of just how things panned out just kind of sucked. It, it happens sometimes. I feel like that might have been guidance that you could not follow, Ken. You, you strike me as a person that would not stop playing a game. Just because it didn't feel fun. That, Do as he that says, moment. not as he does. All right. It's like it's like my mom. She'll never if she starts reading a book, even if she hates it, if it's the worst book she's ever read in her life, she will not let the book defeat her. She will read it to the end. Oh god! And then yes. and then burn it. But like that's that seems like something. So you so, would so, so what do you do with like bad everybody movies? Everybody else, if everybody else at the table wants to stop playing a game. Even if I'm having fun and liking it, I will. I would agree. To, like, I would. I, it would really bother me. And honestly, you're you're probably right. Even if I was not having fun, it would bother me to stop playing the game. But <laughs> if there are three, if there if there are, you know two, three, four other players standing, sitting around just having a miserable time, I'm not going to try to insist that they keep playing for my for my satisfaction of finishing the game so you hear yes, you, it, it, it would hurt me it would you, hurt yes you heard it here folks so if ken's strapped down in a torture chair and they're just peeling off each fingernail one at a time and they stopped like halfway through he'd be like finish it you bitch well, if, they, if they've gamified it if they've gamified it if they're if they're if they're, if they're, if they're giving me points for na- each nail pulled off <laughs> if they if they if they have gamified the torture process like i mean like Let's let's just let's just you know wrap it up and see how see see how it turns out you know like maybe it gets better from here. We just gotta we just gotta play it out, guys. We gotta play it out. Oh, just play God. it through. Okay, so while you guys are thinking about how deep the decision space is, I think I've coined a term in my head: an attention space. For long games, mm. you've got to have something that's going to keep everyone's attention for that long. It's hard to come up with a system that's going to be interesting enough for someone to pay attention to it for four or five hours, much less 12. No, 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 no Sarah. I solved it. I solved it with uh, the time tracker. There you the go. The time tracker was great because there was a game within a game. It was mm-hmm. a game of games. <laughs> a game of games. And, that, and that, that actually, that is one of the ways to do it is by having, you know, having multiple layers in the game that are going on and making people, you know, care and be paying attention to other people's turns. So, you know, in this game of games, um, sitting there and watching the watching the timer click up during somebody else's turn was definitely a thing you do. Like, oh, cool, that person just just went above me in the overall t- turn time here. So instead of me being annoyed that they're taking a really long turn, I'm like, cool, now I'm winning the shortest turn thing over they, them. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, other than that, I mean, it's it's kind of tough because I think don't bring people into long games if it just seems like they don't have the capacity to play them i mean it's just it's not they're not for everyone and it's not even to say that long games are better games it's just they they do different things you know they like even though and they're not all created equal like ti for example is it's you know fulfilling a lot of different things that you know part of the appeal of it is you make all these long drawn out uh debates and discussions and trades because like the part of what makes it feel so epic is it is the time investment around that that like this decision i made in round one is now coming to bite me in round five you know and it's not even that like each decision 
all the way up from round one to round five was like a huge mind-boiling decision. It may not have been, you know, maybe you've had a pretty smooth game all around and it wasn't that hard and not to say every turn plays itself out, but you reasonably know what you're trying to do and you didn't really run into a lot of roadblocks. That could totally happen. But it's still the investment, the investment of like everyone all around you. There's like this ecosystem now that you're uh, involved in. And that's kind of what the unique appeal of TI is. And other long games also try to elicit something that is unique about them that they have to offer. And sometimes that those things that they are offering is just not up someone's wheelhouse. Like maybe, you know, Brass Birmingham is maybe a four-hour slugfest of just every decision is a mind-boiling decision and now you're all going through that hardship together and there's kind of like that that community point together of you going through that and i don't know it's just not all long games are created equal and not all long games are for the you know are designed to be for everybody they they are all trying to do different things so we've we've talked about I think our only example so far of long games have been like Twilight Imperium and, and you just mentioned Brass Birmingham. What are some other like top tier really good long games? Uh, I mean, notoriously through the ages, which I personally yep. have not played, but that's also a well-known one that is supposed to be a huge, you know, slogger knocker of a game. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that is considered really long. Uh, I mean, Game, game of Thrones, which I also uh, not played is, you know, probably a six plus hour long game. Uh, the Lord of the Rings one. Uh, which, oh yes. Uh, trying to remember the name of it because it's not Battle for Middle Earth, is it? Maybe it is. That sounds familiar, um, but I don't know. Yeah. So there. I mean, there I are, think there are most RPG like most RPG games are pretty long, especially mm-hmm. campaign type games where you can play multiple sessions depending on. So like Gloomhaven, all Frosthaven, all of those have scenarios, and your team can play one scenario and it could take an hour or two hours or you could play a whole weekend of just slogging through all of the different scenarios because the game itself has i think jaws of the lion is the shortest one and it has like 20 something that you can play through in a campaign mm-hmm. so uh, those can get long these for war of the ring pretty... was the game you're thinking of earlier tim what, what is it uh, war of the ring war of the ring thank you um yeah. i was thinking of probably the not maybe it's the card game anyways but, yeah, uh, the, the, one, the one you named is like a thirty-minute. Uh, the the uh, Battle for Middle Earth is like a thirty-minute little uh, little thing. So I don't that, know if, that's what that, it was, if you yeah. actually knew of that game or not. But yeah, it's a little card game kind of thing. So let's see here. I, I in general don't have like any of the crazy super long ones because basically Tilt Ti fills in that slot for me. But there are definitely games that like start to crest into the four-hour mark for sure. Uh, if everybody's really like thinking through their turns. Um, like uh, Feast for Odin, for example, can definitely fit in that wheelhouse. Or uh, Terraforming Mars with, you know, five players can definitely go the distance for sure. Oh, man. See, I would say that those are probably mid. Like but, yeah. I, I, Overall, you know, I would agree. But they, they can go they can go long for sure. So Too many bones can take, depending on the, the boss that you're fighting, because it's, it's measured in days and some bosses you have to do more days so more like rounds of combat and stuff before you get to them so that if you choose like a longer one it could take all weekend if you wanted to and then also you can play that game as a campaign game as well so you could play that for a long time <laughs> yeah i think it's... a lot of the ones that are super super long uh, tend to be some of the the big war gaming kind of things and i mean some oh, of those true. things can last like you know there, there are war gaming kinds of uh, things that can 
go, you know, where people play them for years in the same game and you say, oh, well, is that a campaign? Sometimes, you know, single battles, it can be, they can be, you know, go out over, over, you know, dozens and dozens of hours of play time. Um, so people who play those kind of things scoff at our, at our calling a 12 hour long game long. Uh, Wait, <laughs> side note, you've just reminded me recently, and this is not directly board game related, but recently I ran into a TikTok series and this guy is talking about how he and his D&D group have been playing the same campaign for 30 years. Holy 30 years. I don't know, but it was incredible. I like, like watched level a ton. 312, you know. Well, just just to kind of compare for people who may not be aware, like most most game groups, you know, if they have a long campaign, it's a year or two, um, and in that time, their characters will you know level up to you know the equivalent of gods and be you know walking through the cosmos. So you know, to be doing one campaign for 30 years, they are probably leveling slower than the book is uh, is, is describing. And if they are leveling at, at normal speeds, then their characters are, are doing things that are just completely outside the scope of what most stuff is going on. So, yeah, a 30-year-long campaign is completely unheard of in, in most, uh, most role-playing circles that I'm, I've been part of. There are definitely people who do them, but it's it just it's a It was time. just wild. It was just wild. Yep. Yeah, so um, I, I guess overall, though, most of the games we play probably boil down to at least what we consider not really long games. They're probably yeah. medium-length you know, two to three hours. The kids would call mm -hmm. it mid, Tim. Mid. Oh, yep. oh the mid, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I guess my, my boomerism is showing. No, I mean, the fact that I said it means that it's no longer cool. So uh, if, if, it, yeah. if it reaches my level, it's not slang anymore. I, I was operating under the assumption that anything we said wasn't cool. So That's true. Oh, no. It's true. Absolutely. Um, I, <laughs> at least we can I, all agree I, on something. Throughout, throughout my entire lifetime, um, if I am using a, a term or phrase, it means it's no longer cool. Like, I was, I was never <laughs> using cool terminology or slang ever in my life. <laughs> so two more points before we wrap this up, because we're already at an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, my goodness. Um, games that scale with group size, that's cool, because, you know, six players is longer than five players, whatever. That's I not really, really a great point. I games that scale well with just player count, yeah. But the coolest adjustable duration thing that I have seen recently is adjustable based on how intense you get with it, games. So the the game that Tim got me for Christmas, uh, Thousand Year Old Vampire, it's a writing game. Like you roll and write based on prompts and they tell you in the instructions, like you can play this as a quick game. This is how it's intended. You just write like two sentences that are attached with a semicolon for each experience, each prompt. Or you can play it as a journaling game and basically write a whole ass book <laughs> about all of the like life of this vampire just instead of two sentences like journal the whole entry kind of Dracula style. What, what, so what did you pick? Oh, I'm definitely doing the quick one. <laughs> hmm. But I, I say I had quick, no idea I, that's what that was going to be like. I just I, got it for you because it looked cool. I had no idea that it was basically like a, a journaling game. Oh, I got yeah. stuck in this hole of playing it for like six hours last week. Not last weekend, two weekends ago. I mean, my my vampire like became the leader of a cult, fell in <laughs> love, murdered their lover, turned their lover into basically a blood bag where I kept him alive just to like drain what his life fuck? out again. Like, it's wild. And the prompts like make you do things. Like, 
basically like I tried to turn to a page and it was like turn one of your human companions into a blood bag and I was like well this is the only one I have oh. <laughs> so I had to like write a two sentence summary of how I did it and why I did it and how I felt about it did you uh, give your vampire the nickname then blood bag blood bag Betty <laughs> A great, a great thing. No, actually, hold on. What is my vampire's name? <laughs> I hold know on. what it is now. <laughs> Bloodbag <laughs> Betty. <laughs> yeah, no. This this game got a lot of pre- a lot of uh, you know game game press attention during uh, lockdown things, Tim, because a lot of people were recommending. Hey, if you're you're stuck. You can't go play games with people. Uh, get uh, you know get. And play I didn't this, know cause... what to expect. I just I heard good things about oh. it, and so I just bought it for that reason alone. And it was a cool book. I, I figured the two were a winning combination. I didn't give a fuck what was inside it at this point. I See, was just I, like, whatever. I, I assumed when I saw it, when I saw it, I was like, oh wow, Kim, you know, read all the reviews and things that I did, and heard all the all the all the the the, the, the talk of things that I did, and knows all about this game just like I do. And like, no, you just <laughs> no, I <laughs> I, I, I stuff and I simped pretty hard. That's for sure. So <laughs> the so here's my first my first prompt. Your first prompt is like describing who you are as a human before you become a vampire. So I am Lucienne Aubert, daughter of Maurice, born in the Languedoc region of France in the 15th century. Ooh. I mean, it goes on, but it like, and it tells you kind of, you know, this vampire is going to live like a thousand years. So go back mm-hmm. in time as far as you're comfortable. And I, I'm like pulling up Wikipedia. Like what was the like political system in France in the 1600s. Like I'm looking at French names because I decided that this was going to be a French vampire. Just really, you could go as deep and as I mean, I can into it tell as you want. This game is not for me, but it sounds cool <laughs> as fuck. No, like for reals. Like I, I think it sounds really, really cool. I just, I don't know if I would ever play something like that, but I am so happy that it like vibes with you so hard. I'm, I'm yeah. hyped. It's very cool. But anyways, that's so the again, first time I've ever seen like a game say you could play it this way or you could play it this other really long, intense way. So for the non-gamers that I know who are uh, listening to this, uh, this could be could be your game. A uh, thousand-year-old vampire, and it's a, it's a journaling writing game that will give you prompts and let you create a life. It's very cool, and it what does a, have what dice. What a cool concept, though. Like, yeah. really neat, really neat. All right, all right. So we'll, we'll wrap up here. Because I just made a good point, and you know I want to be the the last oh, thing people oh, think yeah. about. Um, Add a semicolon to that shit right there. So yeah. <laughs> so and I'm I gonna get... turn you into a blood bag. <laughs> I guess let's 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 wrap up with All just right, you blood know, bags. <laughs> anybody have anything coming up that you're excited about, game wise or non game wise? Hmm. Well, I'm um, doing a dancing competition tomorrow. Woo woo! Oh, nice. that's gonna be so much fun. But other than that, uh, nah, man, we did our, I was so hyped for TI and I spent so much time setting up for that. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm coming off, coming off that high and I still got to put the game away. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I'm planning, I uh, plan to have, uh, uh, several people. I, uh, I, I, I have only recently gotten to know, uh, coming over on the third for, uh, for some, uh, board games. So I uh, need to. Determine at this point whether I want to, uh, you know, go uh, go go hard and, uh, and 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 throw up a uh, really complex, uh, you know, cooperative game that will likely kill us all, or uh, do something a little more uh, a little more easygoing. Um, 
Ooh, so do you do you tend to uh, do you tend to go for the cooperative games as like an entry I, point? I do not. Um, but since I bought um, uh, Frostpunk and it's been sitting on my shelf, not uh, being played. Oh no, I forgot you have Frostpunk. Damn it! Yep. Since I've had since I since I have that on the shelf, uh, I, I I have been toying with the idea of rolling that out. Um, it's a very complicated game, and I'm not entirely certain how. No, don't don't much, do that uh, to them. Don't do that to them. Well, I, I, you say that, but I mean, they, 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 you know, do seem like they have have you know played and have enjoyed complex games. They just don't have the groups to be doing them regularly. Okay, so, yeah, that's a little different. You know, that's a little. I don't know. I, 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 this yeah. is like when I told Tim when we first met that. Oh yeah, I'm like a pretty intense board gamer, and then that subjective reference was just me playing one game with my college friends, and he brought me in, and I was like, oh, oh, you have. 200 games. <laughs> one, 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 one of these friends has been wanting uh, to uh, uh, play uh, Scythe online with me and such. So, I mean, Scythe, if he plays Scythe, he's, he's probably, you know, pretty good. You know, he can, has, yeah, can have pretty okay. heavy games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, another, another one of the people is, uh, is a friend of his who, you know, both of them seem confident that she could learn uh, a pretty heavy games. And then, uh, yeah, the, uh, um, the fourth guy is, uh, or first person is, uh, you know, also, when I when I talk through games he's played, he's, he's played some heavier games. In in all cases, like they've played a handful of heavier games, which is why I, I do wonder. Maybe I should start with something a little a little more approachable than a massively complex game that we're probably going to lose and die. But I also really want to play Frostpunk. So, oh, dude, I uh, really want to. Play it, it does come down too. to: Am I a good host and a good game sommelier, or am I going to play the thing I want to play? Um, so we'll see. You know, sometimes <laughs> I also err on the side of the latter. So uh, I, I hear you. I hear you there. But uh, I, you know what? If if it ends up falling flat, you know, you can just bring it over here. We'll play some Frostpunk. I'm I'm Absolutely. down, man. Okay. Yeah. No, we'll, also, we'll there's the TI rolling right. See, you need to stop having games that I don't have now. So. Uh, yep. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll have to have to. Uh, uh, play another board game uh, activity and uh, get you guys over for it. But, uh, you know, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely got some fun, uh, fun things to do a table. Yeah. Now it's just, we're running out of time to, uh, to collectively host different nights. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, it's a full social calendar. I have really yet to is. host really a board is. game night. That was my, my new year's resolution, right? You've still got, <laughs> you've still got 11 months left, but yeah, no, I mean, last, uh, last Sunday I, uh, I was I was doing a, a Starfinder campaign. First time I've been a, a player in a, in a role playing game campaign in a lot of years, and that's gonna be really fun. And getting ready to to uh, run a campaign uh, this, this, this coming Sunday, and yeah, with Tim's board game nights and other random board game nights I'm running, it's uh, like I said, getting to be uh, getting to be a pretty full calendar. But uh, we'll, we'll 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 get a time uh, for you to do some Frostpunk, Tim. I can bring it to your house if we need to, or you know we can get set up and you can just do it a two player version. It's uh, it's a one to four player game, and once I know how to play it, I'm sure it'll be uh, be fun to play in, in all the different permutations. Word. And we will figure out the scheduling logistics of this offline. Thank you so much for listening <laughs> all the way to the end of this very, again, riveting episode of the Board Game Triangle. Uh, we'll come back to you next time. Maybe we'll be running through more of the Board Game Geek Top 100. Who knows? It's a mystery. I mean, we and just need we'll just be invigorated, you know? Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll just be scheduling our, uh, our our calendars, and you'll get to listen to that. Oh yeah, a whole hour of just trying to find scheduled time. <laughs> they just listen to us like plan out all twelve months of. of oh games no! That we're yeah, gonna I'm gonna be. 
I'm going to be on vacation that week. I think my sister-in-law is coming to town. Yeah. yeah. All kinds of crazy stuff. All right. We'll see That's you guys next time. That's the Patreon content that they could pay for. Ooh, yeah. Patre- yep. <laughs> we do not have a Patreon. Full dis- <laughs> we don't have a Patreon yet. Don't, um, I know that the people were immediately looking as soon as they heard, oh, man, calendar calendar event on Patreon? Yeah. Bonus, bonus episodes or they schedule their, 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 their events? What? I mean, if you just want to Venmo us, we can put our <laughs> handle in the, in the show notes. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks as always, guys. See ya. Thanks, guys. Bye.